Hi, welcome to Go Tell Mom. I'm Diana Kelly, and I've been momming for several decades, including tending my fur babies, kids I gave birth to, kids I mentored as a broadcaster and college instructor, my kids' friends, and my friends. I'm not a psychologist or doctor, but I do know how to dig up advice from those who are, and that's what I'll share with you. If you have something to share with me, remark, comment, question, please comment below. One of those lovely new mom thoughts that passed through my brain as I took my firstborn home was, look how small he is. Oh my God, how can I protect him? That's the disadvantage to being a journalist. You read all the bad stuff about what can happen to babies and toddlers. The stuff about kids nearly electrocuting themselves or putting a dent in their heads when they were cruising furniture or showing down on the dog's food dish. Well, yeah, that actually happened for about three seconds while his dad was laughing. All that stuff you worry about when you haven't done the parenting thing before. So how do you keep your fresh new contribution to humanity safe? Even before we had him, I duct taped all the electrical cords to the wall. I had leftover paint for our mostly stucco walls. We lived in a house built in the 40s in California. So I slapped it on over the duct tape and convinced myself that no one would notice, especially no one under two feet tall. Yes, I put plugs in the unused sockets and a baby gate across the two steps into the sunroom. And my ex rigged the cabinet doors and the toilets with baby locks. And our new coffee table had rounded corners. Heck, everything either of us identified as his threat suddenly had rounded corners. We made sure that the slats on the crib were sturdy, that the sheet was fitted, that there was nothing that could block his airway. We weren't in a blinds kind of house, so we didn't have to worry about keeping him away from window cords. We discovered that scrunchies could double as drawer pull locks, so the kid couldn't make his own stair steps to get to the petroleum jelly on the top of the dresser. My brother did that in our bathroom growing up, and downed a whole bottle of orange-flavored children's aspirin, which meant an unplanned trip to the hospital to get his stomach pumped when he was two. Keep all medicines out of sight, especially the ones that taste like sweet tarts. My brother loved to make himself breakfast at that age. Mom would wake to a crash and stumble bleary-eyed into the kitchen and realize he had been investigating the fridge again when she saw the door open, a carton of eggs smashed on the linoleum, and an incriminating bottle of chocolate milk dribbled across the room. Mom was not happy about the mess, but she was really scared about the thought of my brother shutting himself in the fridge. He was pretty nimble and skinny back then, so she would, no joke, take a rope and tie it around the refrigerator before going back to bed. Two days later, the same crash woke her up again. He pulled her tall kitchen counter stool over, climbed up it, and shinnied the rope off the top of the fridge. She laughed about it later and attributed it to the family's stubbornness gene, but it was mildly terrifying at the time, I'm sure. That's not the only stuff you have to worry about as a parent. There's toddlers' habits of putting small objects in their mouths, especially if they're colorful or shiny. SafeKids.org warns you to keep small electronics that have button batteries, you know, the key fobs and remotes, out of sight from little eyes and away from little fingers and mouths. If you suspect your child has eaten a battery, go to the hospital immediately. No, this too shall not pass. Same goes for those colorful Tide Pods or Cascade Pods or any pods meant to clean your stuff. It will not clean the kid's stomach in a good way. Yep, hospital visit. Now, my son never snacked on that stuff, but he did swallow a quarter when he was five when he got for buying candy because his babysitter said he was well-behaved. Until then, tele-nurse told us he would eventually poop it out. Yep, he did. When they hit five, it's easy to let your guard down because, hey, they can talk. They've developed a personality. That does not mean they've developed common sense. They still like to explore, like in their crawling days. When I was in the exploring stage, I saw my mom cooking, and I reached up and touched a hot burner for about a split second. 
long enough to make an impact about not touching when mom says, don't touch. My mom later told me that she timed out that split second as a life lesson. I still remember the tiny heart-shaped blister I got on my finger, and I didn't touch the stove again until I learned how to use utensils. These days, you need to worry about the microwave as much as the stove. Safe Kids says do not let the kids use it by themselves until they get the concept that steam can cause burns. I love scented candles, but I didn't use them until the kids understood they could set the house on fire if they were knocked over. You know how they learned? We'd take them to open houses with the fire department. By the way, creating a family home fire escape plan is a great idea. We had one and actually did a drill once. The kids loved it. Be wary with curling irons if you're letting your child hang out with you when you're getting ready for work. I remember hearing about a famous singer's toddler daughter grabbing hold of her mom's. Even after unplugging it, if it's still hot, it still burns. You hear all about bug bites hurting kids, and yes, you need to be careful. But also be careful about what you use to fight off those bugs, the CDC warns us. Make sure you're using EPA-registered insect repellents that are safe and effective, and always follow the product label instructions. They also suggest spraying the bug spray on your hands and then applying it to your child's face. Avoid leaving doors and windows open when kids are small. Locks are good. Locks prevent kids from falling out of windows or tripping over thresholds when they haven't quite gotten the hang of those feet yet. How many home improvement shows do you watch when your kid's around? I used to watch a ton. They make it look almost easy to use tools. I had several tough-to-open toolboxes full of those kind of tools. RaisingChildren.net warns that you need to make sure that your kid doesn't think your tools are his tools to use, at least not until he's old enough to help you hang a door. They recommend locking away saws and drills and keeping lawnmowers, chainsaws, and other sharp tools out of reach. And make sure the kid's not at your elbow when you're trimming that board. If you're going to grab a glass of lemonade in the middle of your project, ensure that either the tools or the kid is locked up and out of harm's way. Sometimes actual toys can be harmful to kids, especially if they have small colorful pieces and the kid likes to swallow small colorful pieces. Choking hazards should be marked on the box of new toys, but if you're getting a hand-me-down, you need to be careful, and you need to make sure it's clean. Just saying. Toys intended for older children may pose a risk to younger, curious siblings, or in my son's case, an older sibling who thought it would be funny to swallow his little sister's soccer ball for her doll. Yeah, he pooped that out, too. But he could just as easily have choked on it. Kids are quick, so keep away is not a bad game to play with them when it comes to toys that they could choke on. When you put the toys away, make sure that there are no holes or hinges that could catch little fingers in whatever container you use. If the toy's a riding toy, you might want to get a super cool helmet to go with it, especially if it's a bike or a skateboard. You know, it's not a good idea to let your eyes off of kids when they're around water, not just pools, any kind of water. That includes tubs, toilets, buckets, all of that. They all pose a drowning hazard with young kids. As for the pool, make sure your fencing and your gate is sturdy. VeryWellFamily.com suggests having a self-closing and self-latching gate that's tough for little kids to open. The best way to keep your kids' water safe, of course, is to make sure that they can swim. Like when we lived in California, we took our six-month-old to Mommy and Me swim lessons, where he naturally learned to hold his breath when he was dipped in the water. 
He loved the lessons and the pool. Here's how quickly a kid can get into trouble. We were house hunting in Florida when our kids were small and considered a home with the pool. Our kids were with us when we toured the house and we stopped in the backyard and stood around talking about how great the bedrooms were for the kids and how we needed to fence off the pool so the kids would have a safe yard space. Then we heard a splash and there was our three-year-old looking up at us from underwater and blinking his big blue eyes. His dad jumped in immediately to grab him. Yes, I thanked God we had the foresight to teach him to swim a little, but the fence was up as soon as we moved in. His little sister watched with wide eyes and stayed away from the pool until she felt she could paddle around, and only when she was with someone. One of the best ways to protect your kids is to make sure that someone always has their eyes on them. Kids are not little adults. They're still learning how to function in the world, and they rely on you to give them the guidelines. Now I'm going to introduce you to another mom, a friend of mine, Lindsay Pride, who is the managing editor of the Herald Citizen, and she is also the mother of three kids, and she's a former school teacher. Did you have problems with your kids when they were really, really little, being worried about things that would land in their mouth or things that they would try to toddle off and do that they shouldn't have? I think I I broke a few rules just because I thought <laughs> I knew better than what the rules were. But like, uh, I guess one example would be, you know, those little, I forget what they're called, those little like pillows, boppy pillows. Do you remember those? Yeah. And I think, you know, there's a big warning label on there about how you're not let, supposed to let your infant sleep in one of those but it it felt like either don't let her sleep in that or don't let her sleep at all because somebody had to be holding her the whole time oh Janina was like that too (laughs) honestly we'd take her in the car for a car ride I mean all all of the the typical things that you'd hear about kids having to to do to get them to fall asleep and she had colic so we had arsenic moments almost every night but you could put them on the washing machine or the dryer actually worked better. And between the heat of the dryer and the comforting sound of the dryer going, it would wind up making her fall asleep. So, yeah. yeah. But it's tough when, when they say, oh, you shouldn't do this. Yes. And and you're thinking to yourself, but it's not good for her to be awake all the time. Right. She's you know? got to sleep. <laughs> yeah, seriously. What about things like little toys? Little toys. You know, when they're, when they're little and when you're first having your, your first kid, you know, the, the, I didn't really have a lot of small toys. It's more when you have a younger child and an older child and the older child can have more of the smaller toys that you kind of worry more about. Well, you know, it says these toys are not suitable for kids under three, but you have right. a, a five-year-old, a three-year-old and a, and a baby. So, <laughs> so um, you know, just trying to keep things away from them. What's fun for your oldest, it can be dangerous for your youngest. And right. And when you're trying to keep the kids apart, it just doesn't work really well because the little kid always wants to do what the big (laughs) kids are doing. That's true. But I I mean, I enjoyed having my kids close together because I didn't run into that as much. But Austin was my problem child when it came to that. He would be the one that would be swallowing stuff. And Janina, <laughs> not so much. I mean, Janina was like, that doesn't belong in my mouth. Ooh, that's dirty. You know, but Austin was like, what's this? Yeah, you know? yeah. let's investigate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, you, you do what you can to make sure that your kids are safe and they're not going to be doing something that, that is endangering them. And yet you're, you're not sure what that is. You figure if I'm watching them, there won't be a problem, but there's always that split second when either somebody calls you on the phone or you've got somebody that's knocking on the door and you look away for a second and you have no idea what they did when you were turned away. Yeah, I know. I think we worry sometimes 
too much, but then you hear like horror stories about yeah. a friend of mine said that when her, her daughter was really little, they were at a friend's house and she was, you know, playing on the floor and she said the house, you know, looked totally spotless, but somehow her daughter swallowed broken glass. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and it, I mean, and it had, you know, a lifelong effect on her from, from that, you know, doing that as wow. a baby. So I think the most, you know, most of the things we worry about don't happen, but then you hear a, a crazy story like that and you're like, right. oh no, I've got to check it's everywhere. Like, yeah. It's like, how do I prevent that? Because I don't know what somebody else's house is like, you know? Right. What about safety gates? Did you have a lot of those when your kids were growing up? I did. I think mostly at some points to keep like the kids and the dog separated or to keep like, you know, once, you know, once a kid is mobile, but not walking, mm-hmm. you know, and they're, and they're potentially getting into things on the floor that they shouldn't get into when they're, you know, when they're crawling around and maybe putting things in their mouths, just having gates, you know, in a, to keep them contained to a certain area. Yeah, uh, seem to help with us. I mean, I, I don't think I used gates for like an incredible amount of time. It just seemed like a very short time when they're, you know, crawling around and not and not walking and, and a gate is more kind of more suitable for that that time yeah. period. And now you you need the gate for Ranger, right? <laughs> <laughs> Ranger, Ranger doesn't believe in gates. He he can escape from anything. Yeah. Yeah. And so and, and how does that work? I mean, did you worry when you brought a dog into the house what kind of safety issues you'd have with the kids? Yeah. You know, the dog that I had before I had kids, I found out I was pregnant with LK right when our boxer had passed away and uh, of pancreatic cancer. And that dog probably would not, didn't have like the temperament, I don't think, to have been around young children. She was a good dog, but just maybe not a dog for kids. So the dog that we had after that was a, um, it was a deaf white boxer. And he was wonderful with the kids. He, you know, I have a video of him playing with my middle child and my middle child is just laughing and laughing and laughing because the dog is acting like he's, you know, upset and just like, um, but it's just, they're just totally playing. And, you know, he never, you know, was aggressive with the kids or bit them. He was, you know, gentle, took, you know, food out of their hands. He was just, he was a good dog. He kind of, I think, grew up with them, I think, because he was a puppy at the same time that my daughter was a baby. And so I think that helps. Yeah, Yeah. I think it does too. I think it's harder with an older dog, maybe, and, Mm -hmm. you know, babies or young children, just because they're, they're just not at the same stage of life. Mm -hmm. That makes it a little bit tough. I mean, there are ways. That, okay, so when you're visiting somebody's house that where they've got a dog, right? What do you do? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, it depends on the person. You know, if if it's somebody you know well, or somebody who is aware that their dog is not friendly with kids, you know, they'll maybe you know put that dog away in a separate room. I've been to people's houses yeah. where they just. I don't even ask them. They just they just do that because they know the dog will you know jump on everyone or right. or you know, not necessarily be unfriendly, but just kind of be uh, obnoxious, you know, to where (laughs) the guests can't enjoy the time that they have with their friends because, you know, the dogs are just going crazy. But, you know, I've never had to to ask anyone to put their dog away, you know, with my kids. I feel like most of the places we've visited, you know, I haven't had to worry about dogs being aggressive, but you do my my brother was attacked by a neighbor's dog when we were little. So I remember my, my sister was yeah, too. Yeah. I remember yeah. 
that and and ha- it it really did make him afraid of dogs for a long mm-hmm. time just from that experience. So, you know, we I've tried to talk to my kids about, you know, you don't go up to you know, strange dogs and pet them. Right. You always ask for permission and you don't just reach out your hand to, to, a, <laughs> to a strange dog. You always, you know, need to be careful and, and just, you know, the safe ways to approach a dog that you don't know. Definitely. My dogs are both very friendly. One of them's really kind of shy. So mm-hmm. he will, he'll wait until Petey makes all the introductions to but Petey loves neighbor kids. Yeah. And my problem with Petey is that he is not as well-mannered as he should be when he first meets. <laughs> people. He, you know, so he will be, you know, up halfway up their legs trying to give them kisses. And for little, little kids, that can be a little bit scary until they figure out that he's just friendly and then he just wants to give them kisses and he's not trying to bite them or hurt them. But Presley will just inch up to them and, you know, he's this big cuddly shih tzu. You know, they, they'll look at him and say, oh, nice puppy, you know, and they'll just, he's so soft. Yeah. Which of course drives <laughs> Petey crazy because Petey wants all the attention. Right, right. But yeah, I mean, if they were more aggressive, I think I'd be more scared when I was walking them, you know, and meeting meeting little kids. You know, we've got right. quite a few in our neighborhood. You got to be careful about that. Yeah, you do. What about when it comes to water safety? I was really lucky with my daughter because her grandmother had a pool. And so we were over there all the time. I, we were in the pool with the with the kids. And so they just got used to, or at least she got used to um, being in the water at a, at a young age. And so when, you know, when she was about three, she and her friend one day, you know, they were swimming with their, with their little water vests on. And all of a sudden, I forget which one of them, but it was either my daughter or her friend Dulcie said, I think we can swim without our jackets on. And so we were all standing there and, and the other parent was a little hesitant, but I was like, well, we're right here. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So, so they take their jackets off and they just started swimming. And it was, it was kind of amazing, you know, because we were there, you know, in case anything happened, if they went under, but I think just having been around the water so much, it just kind of it became like a second nature for them. They had, you know, they watch everybody around them who's, you know, swimming without a jacket, but my boys were different. You know, they, they didn't mm-hmm. love the water at first and it's, just been a it's been a longer process for them they weren't you know they weren't jumping in and swimming alone at three years old but my my 10 year old's been swimming for a few years now and my my seven year old is still he's kind of on the verge he's taken like the swimming lessons at the YMCA um, and that made him a little bit more confident he he showed me that he could swim some by himself when we went to the pool last year but he's on the kind of on the edge really completely being independent I get that. I definitely get that. I mean, our kids, we had pools when, when they were little and we actually had a, a baby mommy and me class that I took Austin to. And that came in handy because when we were going to look at houses, the second house we looked at um, after we had moved to Florida was one that had a pool in the backyard. And we were talking about how great it was and all this. And Austin decided to try out the pool. And here he is three years old, holding his breath like he was taught in swim class and looking at me with these big blue eyes and John's hopping in the water before I had a chance to and dragging him out. And Janina's like looking at him like, you are out of your mind, dude. (laughs) (laughs) But 
but we taught them, we got them in the pool and got them swimming as quick as we could, because we knew the best way to protect them is to have them know how to swim. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's, you know, you it's when you work at a place at a newspaper and you hear about accidents and drownings yeah. and we've had some here in Putnam yeah. County and it's scary. You know, it's, it's basically a matter of a kid getting into an unlocked gate and, and just being in the pool, you know, without anyone knowing or, and that, and that yeah. seems like that's the most at risk is, uh, you know, of kids, not just not knowing how to swim, but just being alone in water without any supervision. Yeah. And, and a lot of times it's, it's parents didn't even know that they were going to be in that situation, but it does mean that you really should keep an eye on your kids. If you, if they're at an age where they could get into mischief and they wouldn't know how to get themselves out of it. What other situations have you run into as a parent when it came to safety issues? I mean, I know medicine's always one. Something that makes me really anxious is being in crowded places with, you know, just a bunch of people and trying to hold on to your kids and, and making sure that they're they're safe and, and they're not getting swept away by a stranger. <laughs> You know, I, we went to a, a popular, I guess I'll call it a popular gas station last year, shoulder to shoulder people. And I felt very terrified and I held on to all their hands. We went to the bathroom, we got a few things and came out. I'm like, I don't ever want to stop at a place like that again. I think another thing that is scary with car trips um, is, you know, what do you do if you need to just run into the store to get something really quick? Right. And bring the entire troop in with you. (laughs) No. Yeah. So do you get, uh, or do you bring all of the kids in, you know, do you trust them? Do you lock the door? Do you leave the car running? That's, that's a whole lot, you know, because you, you hear stories, you know, decades ago that women would just leave their babies and strollers outside the grocery store and, and nobody thought anything of it, but it's so different now. And right. you have to be careful of what you do and, and who's going to be watching and, and yeah. what, what can happen as a result of your actions. I remember back, oh, must have been about 20 years ago, a boss of mine had said that he would tell his kids when they'd go shopping in a mall or something like that to stay right with them. He said, if I can't see you, you're not safe. Right. And that to me made so much sense. And the, and the kids took it really seriously. And Austin had gotten lost once when we were in a store and he had just kind of wound around one row of clothes and he started to hyperventilate and get really stressed because he couldn't find us. And it was the same thing because we would tell him that we can't see you. You're not safe. Wow. Yeah. I think when I was little, I think I was five or six, I stopped to get a drink at a, at a water fountain in Kroger and uh, I looked up and my mom was gone oh, no. <laughs> and I walked up to the front of the store and, you know, then uh, I talked to uh, an employee and they called my, mo- my mom over the loudspeaker and yeah. I, didn't know, I didn't know my mom's name, but I knew my own name. And so they said, you know, can the mother of Lindsay pride, please come to the, <laughs> the checkout. So I think, you know, it's important for kids to know their, their parents first and last name and their phone yeah. number. If they do get separated, my kids, you know, know their, their name, their, their address. They know my first, middle and last name. They know my phone number. So if I can't see them or if they get separated from me, they at least, you know, can find somebody, hopefully an authority that can contact a parent. Exactly. My mom taught us to sing our phone number, (laughs) which worked. I still remember it. Yeah. It's like six, seven, three, one, seven, three, nine. Yeah. (laughs) That's cute. But that is a good way. I mean, any mnemonic 
device you can do to get your kids to remember something is always good when they need to remember it and it can make the difference between them being safe and not safe sure lindsay thank you so much for joining me hey thanks for listening to this episode of go tell mom where we chew on stuff that you talk about with your mom or maybe not i'm diana kelly if there's something you want brought up something you want to add comment below and i'll be back next week